Hey, it's Bernsey. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Lower Decks, Episode 3, Temporal Edict. This is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm Bernsey. Over there is Paul. Hello. And we're going to talk about Temporal Edict now, which uh, we gave that short preview there. But but I, I like this one because you get the... I, I honestly thought when I started watching this episode, I was like, oh, they're going to get a high-profile assignment. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Gunnar Cardassia Prime, you know? <laughs> well, and the, the, the name check for getting that trip to Cardassia Prime uh, for peace ne- negotiations, again... You know, it's like, wow, that would be very important in a post-war federation. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Big deal. Um, But then we get sent down this. um, I I like the idea of the captain. You know, this plays into a lot of, you know, comedic gold, which is just obviously the captain of this ship does not want to be known as the captain of the ship of, of, you know, slackers. Right. And so. She catches wind of this uh, <clears throat> this thing that most of the, the crewmen are, are using called buffer time and the long-standing lower decks tradition, uh, baking in time to relax between jobs. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of setup there at the front end before she catches on, which I think is, is really good of her being frustrated with this, um, you know, seeming demotion. And Ransom is like, you know, they just changed the place. It wasn't us, blah, blah, blah. But um she really starts the episode with this like we need to do better like i'm frustrated we need to do better how can we do better um and then yeah it's this interweaving of these a plot b plots right because the um this one is harder to say like what is the a plot b plot like i'd probably say the the ship parts or the a plot right yeah, I put um, <clears throat> the A plot is everything based on the ship and the the buffer time, um, you know, drama. And then I put the B plot as Ransom's away team. Yeah, but it's and they're they're fight to the death for no reason, which we'll yeah. get to. <laughs> but it's it's a great one where um, they're willing to split those two main characters, right, um, Mariner and Boimler, which have sort of driven the A plot in the first two episodes. Yeah. Um, but now they're split in this one. It's like, so it's harder to just make that, you know, heuristic guess of, well, the two main characters are in it. So that's the A plot, um, which, you know, if you look at a lot of like, certainly TOS, but certainly a lot of TNG and some of these others, like, you know, a lot the the main three in TOS don't really get split up that often. Um, and if they do, um, they're probably just not in the episode. <laughs> like, right. They're going down to the planet. It's, it's Kirk and Spock and Bones. Um, yep. And there aren't really, there are some, but there aren't many of these B plots that are driven by a split in that group. So I think that works well here. Um, but yeah, to your point of buffer time being something that is like obviously present in a lot of these, a lot of these series, there are always <laughs> times where, you know, the call goes down to engineering or the call goes down to med bay uh, the call goes down to somewhere and they're like, how long is it going to take to fix this? Like, well, can't, I can't do this in less than seven hours. Like seven is 
absolute minimum. <laughs> like we've got one. Like I'll try my best. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I can. Yeah. Well, you know what I thought of uh, right away when they started talking about this, just as as a phenomenon. Um, it's the TNG episode called Relics. Relics. Okay. Um, um, it's the a, episode. Hum a few bars. Yeah, yeah. Hum a few bars. Okay, so this is the one oh, where uh, the Enterprise drops. Of- yeah. There's a point in this episode that I do believe Boimler is humming the TOS theme. I'm sorry, a TNG theme. Nice, 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 nice. Very cool. Um, so it's the TNG episode where the Enterprise uh, drops out of warp, responding to a distress call from the USS Janolin. Um, and they are kind of forced out of warp by weird high gravity where they find the Dyson Sphere. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Aboard the USS Janolin, suspended for 75 years in, in transporter, you know, purgatory essentially yep, that, yep. that he jury rigged himself is none other than the original engineer of the USS enterprise one Montgomery Scott uh, or Scotty. And so um, Scotty has a conversation with Jordy um, at one point where Jordy is talking about, man, I got to get my homework done. I got this assignment. I promised the captain and, and Scotty without a beat says, well, well, you know, how long would it really take? You know, and he says an hour and he's like, you did not tell him how long it would really take. Did you? You know, I mean, he like he basically lambasts him because he's like, no, the whole like, if you want to be known as a miracle worker, you you got to tell him, you know, this is going to take like five and then get it done in one. You know, like he's literally, uh, you know, he's he's talking about for better or worse, he's talking about buffer time. Right. Yep, yep. Like, and, and, and so it's this this Starfleet tradition that, you know the lower decks crew is obviously taking advantage of as well. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to just, you know, burn you on this one. Cause I know the target on the wall was definitely uh, James Doohan, but I, I think that the place he landed was Scrooge McDuck. Um, which... <laughs> <laughs> we all remember that episode where Scrooge McDuck gets uh, beamed up to the enterprise. And... <laughs> and I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting myself on the line and trying it myself, but um, I definitely, there's definitely some Scrooge McDuck in there, which, you know, it's a hard one to hit too. Shuttlecraft phaser space planes. It's a Trek blur. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, you know, they can't all be winners there, Paul. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you got to take swings. You, you That's gotta right. Get up there, get up there and take swings. So, hey, listen, my entire life is not about the home runs. It's times at bat, baby. It's times yep. at bat. So, there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, oh, I mean, I, I just, and, and, and what I love about this too is that, okay, so the captain is just, cheesed off you know it just to buffer time this you know and institutes um these like almost orwellian measures yeah, of efficiency everywhere <laughs> there there are just within like a week you know they they do the flash forward thing you know of like everyone living with no buffer time and it's just people running to their next task like it weirdly like and i don't know if this was intentional or if this is just me like the takeaway from it like it really started to feel like in the background like human beings trying to do what borg drones do on a ship right oh, like sure. they're they're literally just like okay this task is done i only have 17 seconds and then i have to go to this task and blah blah blah. like it really felt like this would have been a really nice like this this totally would have been at home in one of those episodes of like Star Trek Voyager where they give Seven of Nine just a little bit of authority to like pull a team together. Oh, sure. This yeah. feels like what she would be doing to that team, you know, right? I think there are some episodes of Voyager like that, right? Where um, There are, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. like Seven of Nine has to learn, like she gives orders and stuff and people are just like, she's not a good commander at first because she doesn't understand that people aren't going to just, she's Boimler, right? 
Yes. It's yes. The, the short way to say this. And and Boimler is loving it. Like, yeah. and that's that's the other thing that, you know, again, nice comedic, you know, gold mine there that they can pull from. It's just like he he's he's literally just, you know, bebopping from one aside. He's the only crew member apparently on the entire ship who is finished with his stuff, plenty of time to spare. Taking even with duties. no buffer time. Yeah. And he's yeah, he's still pulling in stuff. He's like, all right, well, what else can I get here? You know, and everybody else is just dying you know yeah and I, mean, I, I think the idea is that, like that like he just doesn't use this as a as a technique normally so like right. this is just a normal day but yep. for everyone else they've just had like their their main way of working ripped out from under them yes um and they don't know how to handle it um, yes. so yeah I and so much so that, that what, what i like about this too is that this you know i mean again i think you can separate this into you know this is kind of the main plot but this really directly feeds into the b plot where because everybody's so stressed and freaking out all the time um the the crew that goes down to to the to the planet to do their kind of diplomatic milk run they're literally delivering a trinket you know right they're they're <laughs> delivering this yep. you know this follow-up crystal that's like aha see we come in peace and it's like somebody just put a log in there accidentally because they're just flying from one assignment to the next and yeah it's supposed to be th- for this this planet that is their enemy like, <laughs> yeah. like- <laughs> and they they <laughs> i i forget the piece of graffiti but like at one point later in the episode after these aliens have freaked out and start you know just going nuts on all the starfleet folks it's like something like wood lovers or something yeah, like this yeah where, exactly where, yeah because this is like the crystal planet and the other planet is the like tree planet <laughs> yep so. yep which also is another great send-up of just like trek isms right where it's yeah. like one planet they got a whole shtick it's crystals all they got is crystals <laughs> they love crystals <laughs> they want crystals bring them crystals <laughs> um no I, it's a great interweaving like on the on envoys right it's a great interweaving of this a and b plot that like the b plot doesn't move forward without the a plot and um it's just they're interweaved so nicely um, there's also yep. a lot of great lines and stuff as, as much as the buffer time is this like tropey send up in the, um, I guess we're calling that the a plot. Um, this ransom arc is a great send up of these commanders in the B plot. Like he has so many of these good lines that are just like, so like quirky almost, mm-hmm. right. He has mm-hmm. a line. He's just standing there watching them load the shuttle. Um, he has a line like an away mission is only routine. Until it isn't <laughs> like these just obvious lines that like he, he is saying and thinking they're great lines. Um, and everyone around him is just like, yeah, you know, obviously. Um, <laughs> also the, um, the, the crews, you know, hastily loading the shuttle before they even leave. And I think, was it, was it Mariner who makes the point? It's like, and what exactly are you doing? And his response is I'm commanding. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, just yeah fantastic and the whole the whole idea of like so they get down to this planet um the crystal that they give is not a crystal at all it's a piece of wood and so that it just incenses uh this, this entire planet of people and then the the joke that they make where it's like we live in the future none of us is dying from a spear you know? yeah <laughs> but then they they get captured and like the idea that the only way to resolve this is some sort of forced arena conflict is is just Again, it's that tongue in cheek, like, okay, this is the most Star Trek, even TOS thing that we could possibly do, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, th- yeah. It, the trick would be that in TOS, he'd get hit by that spear and he'd be a red shirt and he'd go down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very much that, that send up of this. 
Um, even to the when they're talking to the guy who's giving them the exposition on like you're going to fight this battle, um, he even has a line that that's like normally oh, I forget the guy's name, the guy they have to fight. Um, oh, I don't either. But they they wheel him out too, and like uh, the the guy who's pres- presiding over this whole you know affair is like, well, normally we'd have this big Vindor. reveal where, yeah. where <laughs> Vindor, yeah, where you you know he he the door would slide back and you'd see him in terror. But since he's standing right here, this is Vindor. You'll have yeah. to fight him. <laughs> Good stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's so, also I think the the interplay between Mariner and um, Ransom is also great. Just that, like, they're both different sorts of commanders in their own rights. Um, right. And so they approach this differently, but they both want to do the same thing. So they both want to be the one that kind of saves the day. Um, and both of them are kind of willing to do things not by the books, which yep. is kind yep. of how a lot of the command works in most of these other series. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, the actual, I mean, just huge precedent in Star Trek, right? Where where how many episodes do we have where the prime directive is Starfleet's general order number one? But in this case, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's again, it's it's the most Trek oh. thing you can do. Well, even, yeah, TOS, um, uh, actually, I was just watching the ultimate com- computer where they install a computer that's supposed to like take over for Captain. Um, and there's a, a, a part where they have to pick a landing team and Kirk's like, well, obviously it's me and Spock and like <laughs> bones and this other guy and this other guy and the computer's like, uh, just the last three, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why didn't you pick the first two? And they're like unnecessary personnel. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah. like all of these were Kirk and Spock and bone, like the three most senior officers on this ship, weave the ship and beam down somewhere like that is not protocol that is not the way this is supposed to be going yeah. um so yeah it, it it is again touching on a lot of these series but also sort of writing in these first three episodes how this one's going to go that it's that it's paying respect to those um off the book ideas which is both again in the a and b plot that the engineering and like the people running the ship have this buffer time that is clearly not on the books but even the commanders, when they're, you know, doing diplomacy, you know, air quotes, um, they're willing to do this, all this other stuff that's off the books um, to get out of all these predicaments. So there's another uh, there's another um, fun line that they have in there that, you know, just sort of winks at the audience that uh, I forget which one says it. I think it's Mariner says, I think she's talking about the scars. She says that she got these scars uh, in high concept fights like this one. Um, <laughs> they're just like they're just putting a hat on all of this like yeah these kind of fights happen all the time like these great high concept fights <laughs> yeah so much so much so that you know yeah exactly you almost wonder if there's some sort of like <clears throat> in the back of the training manual for command that's like so what to do when you find yourself in a high concept <laughs> fight situation yep um and and i even liked what what I what I was afraid of and, and like when this developed, um, I, I was worried. I was like, this can go either way. This can either be kind of funny and, and like winky or this could be really bad where they they did the like the awkward sexual tension between yeah, uh, yeah. Mariner and uh, and uh, Ransom. And what I like about it is where it wound it wound up, which is like <laughs> both of them had a moment where they're like, wait, is this kind of hot? And then like by the end of the episode, they're, they're back to hating each other because even though there's that sort of like underlying tension based off of the fact that they're, you know, 
very similar in a lot of ways that neither of them would probably like to admit they're so different that it, it stays that sort of like hate relationship right and, well, and that, that ransom has been holding the grudge the whole episode that like she didn't roll down her sleeves right that yes. like that, that that is his character Yes. That he gave an order and she didn't follow it and he didn't give the order again. He's just like, oh man, let me get back up on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to get written up, you know, yep. and, and she literally like says like, no, we're cool. I'm not going to get you court-martialed and probably kicked out of Starfleet. And then after that, that's the point where he's like, all right, but you're going to the brig because <laughs> yep. you didn't roll. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and very, um, very on brand for sort of what this uh, this command team has been painted as, right? Which is just like a, a group of people who are just, you know, I mean, obviously Star Trek, you could make that argument with most of the command crews, probably less DS9 because I feel like DS9 was probably the more grounded, like, um, you know, in terms of like who the command staff was and like they went through some pretty serious stuff. But like TOS and TNG, um, for the large part, you could you can see a lot of where these caricatures are pulled from, right? In terms of like oh, how sure, seriously sure. they take themselves. And like, this is very much the the crew that like, they want to be that crew, right? Like everybody sort of idolizes that dynamic, but they're just, you know, too full of themselves to be selfless enough to be actual heroes, you know, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, their heroism is, is largely accidental at times. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, and... And I feel like that um, a lot of that came to the surface, too. It, it feels like feels like in these two episodes, they're really finding where the strengths lie in this format. And they're really like trying to lean on that. And I, I feel like they're largely doing a pretty good job there. Yeah, I think this one I think this is I, I like this one a lot. Um, I, I think this one has a little less of that boilerplate that I would have said was kind of going on in Envoys because this one is just kind of a tighter episode. Um, and part of it is that that a plot right is really just thrust into suspense because of all the timers and stuff that everybody, it feels like a red alert is on the whole front half of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so much of that, I think a lot of the, the timers, like when they get down to like no time left, they turn actual red, right? Like yeah. there's just yeah. that constant ratcheting up of the tension in the background yeah. where people are going to snap. And, and, and the resolution of this episode too, where the captain pulls Boimler uh, into her office and then, you know, kind of proudly states that this new mandate will be named black, the yeah. Boimler effect. And and it's like, oh, yeah, that everybody should take shortcuts and not blindly follow the rules and build in as much buffer time and slack off time as they want. And he's like, wait, what? You're going to name what after me? Like, <laughs> I don't think that's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Um, I mean, to jump way to the end, right? It also allows for a great Miles O'Brien call out. Oh God, I forgot about that. Right, because we are a very pro Miles O'Brien show. That is that's that's correct. Yeah, Miles O'Brien, the unsung hero of the Federation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. I completely forgot about that. So, so again, this this episode just knows you know where to pull stuff from, and it's yeah. it's. I, I think I think what we're seeing is maybe more confidence building, right? As yeah. as this goes on, that the, the show kind of understands. And well, and, and what it wants building. to do. Too, the the same thing that I said about the last one of the fact they can have so many uh, alien species, um, the the ensign that that brings down accidentally the piece of wood and not the crystal, um, I was like, oh man, what is that species? Um, it's a bolian. I had to look him yeah. up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's like, man, when's the last time I've seen a bolian? Probably, uh, probably back on TNG when Mister Mott was giving everyone haircuts. He was the, he was the bolian barber. On, I was uh, thinking on TNG. that. There might have been one in Quark's Bar in uh, DS9 regularly, but 
I couldn't I place him. I couldn't place him. So, yeah, I don't know if there was a there was a regular occurring Bolian on on DS nine, but but uh, Mister Mott was always one of my favorite pulls because at one point Picard in uh, in TNG, it's the episode that's Die Hard in Space with Captain Picard. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Starship Mine, I believe, is what that one's called. Um, he he pulls Mott's name and and actually like impersonates him for a while because he doesn't want them to know that they've they've captured the captain. So he's like, my name's uh, uh, Mott. I'm I'm the barber. Um, <laughs> just like, yeah, Mister Mott, the barber. Because whenever he sits down, uh, the joke is always that he's you know telling the command staff how they should handle the latest negotiations with uh, you know the Romulan Star Empire or you know how to put Cardassians in their place because that's what barbers do. They they make all that small talk. <laughs> So great episode. Yeah. A couple of really good ones. I'm, I'm uh, excited for you to see. I, I will admit that I've, I've looked a little bit ahead, so I've actually seen the next couple cause I can't, you know, I can't hold off. So I will have watch some, them. Have again. some willpower burns. Nope. I, I will not. I am, uh, I am not like Boimler. I, I cannot blindly follow the rules. I, I, I well, must, I'm, uh, waiting to watch the next one until we're going to record about it so <laughs> well that's going to do it for this episode of uh the hi-fi sci-fi podcast uh there will be 10 uh lower decks episodes so we'll try to cover all 10 of those uh before we dive back into season three of star trek the next generation a two and a half plus year uh epic in the making uh, which I'm also really excited about. So. I, I would say it's a great time if you have uh you know thoughts or comments or questions about season three um First off, why weren't you sending those for the last two and a half years? But um, you <laughs> we, got we some time, right? Of, we did have some folks uh, during our extended hiatus. It was it was actually kind of, I mean, I felt really bad because there were just people who would contact us like, oh my God, you just got through season two. You can't be done, right? Yeah, yeah, you guys yeah, aren't done, right? <laughs> but yeah, if you want to send some of those in, uh, you know, find us on social media. Find us yeah. in all the places that um, I'm sure Burns will talk about here. Yes, you can find all of those if you go to our website, which is simply hi-fi sci-fi podcast. Oh, that's true. That's a good, that's a good way to do it. But... Um, they're, as of right now, they're in the upper right-hand corner. I don't know if we're going to get a visual refresh of, uh, of the site, but you can find our Facebook and our Twitter there. Um, those are the best ways to get in touch with us. Just shoot us a direct message that way. We are uh, HFSF podcast. That is our at uh, on Twitter. We're also hi-fi sci-fi podcast on Facebook. Um, so either of those will, will find us. So, uh, yeah, get in touch with us. Let us know what you think as we get through these, uh, lower decks episodes, which I've been really having a lot of fun with. Oh yeah. Uh, and then we're going to dive back into season three of TNG, yeah. but that's going to do it for this one. Uh, until next time I'm Bernsey and I'm Paul and we will see you out there.